both disciplines seem to me to require a similar process of producing blindly bad ideas along with good and then being able to edit and revise. Welcome to Tete a Tete, the Rice Architecture Podcast Series. I'm your host, Island Nosley, and this week's episode features interviews between career and alumni specialists Jackie Schaefer and alumni Ethan Foyer and Florence Tang. After receiving his Bachelor of Architecture in 2011 from Rice, Ethan went on to earn a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing from the University of Virginia. He now has a career that marries architecture and writing. Florence transitioned from a career in journalism to design by pursuing a Master of Architecture. She graduated from Rice in 2009 and is currently a project manager at the Houston Zoo. Their conversations include thoughts on how each of them pursued non-traditional architecture careers. Let's tune in. Hi, Ethan. How are you? Hi, Jackie. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Great. So we graduated from Rice uh, right around, what, 2009, 2010 or something like that. Uh, So what happened to you after you left Rice? Well, I'm sure I don't need to tell you that um, 2009 slash 10 slash 11 was not the best time to graduate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. So, you know, I remembered it being a lot of work and trying really hard to find work. But uh, but it was a lot of firms um, that I applied to straight out of school. So, you know, I had I think I had some particular ideas about the kind of firm that I wanted to land at at that point uh, and was lucky that after a certain amount of um, just knocking on doors, I, I got to settle down at uh, Architecture Research Office, which is a, a smallish firm in, in New York. Uh, about I think it was about 20 people when I started there. They're bigger now, uh, probably 30 maybe. And they just have this like wonderful range of projects. It was, it was pretty awesome getting to work there. I mean, I think in my time there, I worked on a residence hall, a theater, a building for Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, uh, building for Brooklyn Bridge Park, and uh, and a chicken coop, <laughs> which uh, it was just a great breadth and it was great leadership there. So I spent three and a half, four years there in New York, met my partner there in New York, and she and I moved down to Virginia for me to attend this um, Master of Fine Arts program in creative writing in, I think, 2014 or 2015. I guess it would be 2015. And that's a two-year program. So I just finished that last year um, and I've found myself back at another architecture firm, BMDO, which is here in Charlottesville and sort of specializes in education, uh, educational architecture. So a lot of K-12 stuff, a lot of uh, higher ed stuff, um, and a a sort of smaller, more experimental studio uh, that's dedicated to community and athletic projects. Then what's particularly fascinating to me is that you then chose to go into something completely unrelated to all of these kind of differing design experiences. So you went in for an MFA in creative writing. So what drew you to do that after your time in architecture? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Like I I kind of, I feel like I've tried to answer this question many times and never um, really gotten any better at it. Basically, I'd been writing uh, the whole time that I was at Rice. I wrote a, a absolutely awful comic for the school newspaper. I wrote a pretty terrible graphic novel uh, when I was there and, uh, and drew it. And I kind of kept working on comics. It was just sort of something that I was doing in parallel to my B-Arc. 
at Rice. And I think I finished the graphic novel when I was living in New Haven. So that would have been 2010 and sort of launched into another project, um, which was another graphic novel and kind of involved boring reasons that uh, that project didn't really pan out, but I still sunk, you know, two or three years into it. And when I kind of hit the end of that, uh, that dead end, I, uh, several people had given me the advice. One of them was uh, this great guy, Scott uh, Geiger, who worked at ARO and was the marketing director there. And he now works at Reed Hildebrand. And he uh, was an MFA a, from the new school. And I, I don't know what sort of possessed him to uh, suggest to me that I should do this, but he sort of said, well, you know, you should try out creative writing workshops uh, and see if you like it. Uh, try writing prose. So this was my first exposure to the idea of creative writing as a academic discipline was taking one of these uh, independent workshops. I just, I just loved it. It was, you know, 12 people getting together around a table to just talk about one another's writing. And I, you know, I didn't really know that's what, <laughs> what creative writing students did, um, but I, I really took to it. So I took a couple more workshops, you know, after I, I liked it the second or third time that I did it. I said, well, you know, maybe I should try getting an MFA, which is basically, you know, two more years of that, <laughs> two to three more years of that, depending on where you go. I'm, you know, I'm curious. I think a theme that I'm kind of getting from this is this collaborative environment, which, you know, as designers, that's something that is absolutely necessary for us to thrive. And it sounds like mm -hmm. uh, similarly, you know, you had that type of collaboration and creative writing, but do you feel there's other crossover or do you feel like your knowledge of design has informed your creative process as a writer uh, or possibly maybe it's the other way around? I mean, I think that's a great observation about collaboration. And I mean, I, in any discipline, I pretty much find that my work and I, you know, I assume this goes for other folks too, but certainly my work gets stronger every time I have someone else there to look at it. Um, that was true in studio and it's, uh, it's true in creative writing as well. Uh, writing is much more, much, much more solitary uh, by nature. It's something people always say, and it's it's true. As far as other kind of areas that are similar, uh, I think one thing that jumps out at me, I, I, this is another question that I've tried to kind of figure out a number of times, but they're both very long projects. <laughs> you know, a book and a building both take years to come to fruition. So they're they're projects that require a certain level of patience. And I would also say perhaps that they, you know, and I think this speaks to why I wanted to go to a creative writing program in the first place. Both architecture and creative writing are kind of slow pleasures. They, I'm often kind of overwhelmed by some of the kind of more plugged in, I guess, aspects of the world. I've kind of slowly seceded from social media uh, for the most part. And I, I guess I find a, a lot of joy in these kind of slow uh, slow pleasures. The last thing that I guess I would think about as being common between the two disciplines is that the the process can be, maybe it's just that I learned how to be a designer at Rice first, and that sort of hardwired the way that I think about writing. Both disciplines seem to me to kind of require a similar process of opening yourself to producing blindly, producing bad ideas along with good, and then coming back and sort of being able to edit and revise and critique them. And both disciplines kind of have a, a, a sort of technical aspect that as you learn more about them, helps shape how you're able to produce well with sort of fewer rounds of garbage. <laughs> it's, you know, it is amazing how much the, the programs at Rice set you up to be critical of your own work and 
to kind of think through your processes about everything you do. I think it's a, it's a really, it's a wonderful thing. And interesting to hear that it's, it's affected your writing, uh, I hope positively. You know, having gone through this creative writing program and now working again at BMDO, uh, doing different architectural projects, you have kind of the opportunity to look back on where you've been so far and how, do you have any advice, I guess, for the students who are listening to you? I guess I feel like my path has been really eccentric. One thing I have kind of noticed um, in practice and uh, other people's kind of mileage may vary is that architects do tend to be really focused sometimes, sometimes to the exclusion of other things. And I guess something that being involved with writing has kind of driven home to me, uh, writing is, is such a thoroughly arts-oriented discipline. It's very lim limited in terms of the amount of money that flows through it. And I, as a writer, I kind of see writers supporting writers in this just beautiful way where people show up at one another's readings, they buy each other's books, they support each other's work. Architects do that too. I guess what I'd love to see would be if there's a way for architects to engage with other disciplines as well and kind of feed off them. A lot of great, great work is sort of driven from that, I think. And kind of going back to what you said about collaboration, I think there can be collaboration ac across disciplines just as much as kind of within a project team. That's fantastic. And it's been so great to talk to you and hear a little bit of your story, Ethan. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I look forward to reading more of your writings and seeing more of your architecture in the world. I really do. Thanks for reaching out and providing this opportunity to talk. Florence, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, everybody has been very curious about what is going on with you. Uh, we know that you recently took a position at the Houston Zoo, so what are you doing there? Hi, Jackie, good to see you again. Uh, thanks for having me here, yes. Um, so the Houston Zoo is currently in the midst of an amazing transformation. We have a centennial plan for new buildings, new exhibits, new infrastructure that will be um, coinciding with our centennial, which is 2022. So I joined the design and engineering team at the zoo as a project manager just because of all of these amazing new architecture and exhibit and infrastructure and engineering projects. Um, it's an amazing opportunity. I love the zoo and I love what they're doing right now. Um, but I'm curious about what factors came into play for you to make that kind of decision and move in that direction. Sure. So before um, coming to the Houston Zoo, I was a project manager at Kendall Heaton Associates, which is an amazing company. Um, Kendall Heaton does work all over the country, and Kendall Heaton is known for its impeccable detailing and designs with some of the best architects in the world, um, skyscrapers, museums, and really interesting complex problems, challenges that I think anyone who goes to architecture school would love to try to work on. And so it was all very interesting because I've always done a lot of nonprofit work from um, the time I was in school, even in, when I was here in grad school at Rice, I served on the board of Sunflower Mission, which is a grassroots uh, 501c3 NGO, non-governmental organization. And what I did with Sunflower Mission was we 
fundraise, of course, but we also build schools and offer scholarships to students in the Mekong River Delta of Vietnam. And so because of my nonprofit work with Sunflower Mission over the years, I've always had this high alert for doing nonprofit work. And it was not just um, Sunflower Mission, it's also the Rice Design Alliance. I'm also a board member with the RDA, which is, you know, homegrown, here we are at Rice. And it, to me, has always served as a um, extension of, of the lens that I look at through the world in terms of not just architectural problems, societal problems, but I came into Rice as a um, journalist. I was working at the Houston Chronicle at the time that I got my acceptance letter to Rice, and it was also a hard decision. Do I leave the newsroom? Do I forego this crazy schedule that I had working from 3 to midnight? that I loved, I absolutely loved, because the presses would run and we'd publish things on the internet and it was always go, 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 go. So I think it was a nice convergence when this opportunity um, came before me and I I laughed, you know, initially because I was like, who knew that there could be an architect or a designer at the zoo? But yes, if you think about it, the zoo is an amazing campus, just like Rice or any other university is a campus. You have buildings, you have maintenance, you have facilities, you have new construction, you have capital plans, you have budgets, you have public, you know, considerations in terms of how do we we receive these millions of people that come through our doors every day. So all of that converged in a very nice and wonderful way. I think it's really interesting. I just want to roll back for a minute to uh, you talking about leaving journalism, because I think that this is something uh, that a lot of our prospective students, and especially our prospective graduate students, are thinking about. A lot of them have already chosen to kind of study other things in their undergraduate program, and they've kind of committed to an idea of what life is, and architecture kind of just sticks its little hook out and kind of snags them in. And I'm curious um, about the decision-making process that went into you deciding to make such a dramatic change in your career, because that doesn't just happen, you know? Sure. So I'll backtrack a little bit. I still don't consider myself an externalist. I still consider myself a journalist. I still write. I work a lot of hours every day. My brain very rarely turns off. But when I do take a breath, it's always to do something in terms of my curiosity about certain, you know, urban planning issues or new projects, interesting um, tidbits that you'll hear here and there and then you you want to dive deeper into those things so I still write for Texas Architect I've written for the Architects newspaper I've also written for um, site offsite and the Houston Chronicle so I still find it a way for me to at least sharpen my chops in some ways I know that people think that once you go to architecture school then the other avenue would be oh yeah you teach about architecture and you also practice architecture for me my worlds I'm I'm finding the convergence of journalism and mass media and architecture to be what I'm most interested in. And so for prospective students who think that if they leave the world of finance or they leave the world of engineering or if they're currently in theater or literature or even mathematics, that is not true at all. Whatever you're passionate about and whatever you have an interest in, it will always stay with you and you will find a way to make that path for you. Something that's really kind of interesting to me, it's the same thing uh, you were saying about what you do before you come here as an architect kind of still influences what you do after. And I think the inverse is true too. I think that there are a lot of students who look at architecture as kind of one prescribed path. And we talk a lot about that and about how 
good design is something you need everywhere and it's really important uh, no matter what you do that you can make the world a better place by thinking about design in the things that you do um, whether that's being a traditional architect or going to the zoo and doing you know all of the interesting and amazing things that you're doing now the last question or the last comment um, I'm curious from you is if you have any advice for our students uh, as they move forward in their careers at Rice, they have just finished their first charrette of the year and they're sure. kind of in their reviews. So I can definitely say that the f work that is done at Rice and the imagination and the creativity and the thinking that you do here, don't let go of that. And not only that, the idealism, but also the passions that you cultivate here it's not just within yourself, it's also within your cohort, within your colleagues and your classmates. I mean, I still keep in touch with many of my classmates and that has been for me really valuable and rewarding too because we all keep up with each other. We know, you know, we share our projects with each other and we share our um, advice and trials and tribulations, challenges, but also our successes. So to me, that has also been key in that I'm still involved with our Houston community, with my classmates and also within Women in Architecture, that's an initiative in the AIA Houston, and then also with other groups that I'm involved with in the city at large, not just architecture. So that's another thing is stretch yourself beyond architecture. You know, if you're interested in ballroom dancing, if you're interested in playing cricket, if you're interested in these fun, healthy organizations, do it because you need to not be friends with just architects. I think that's great advice, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I always love hearing what you're doing, and I hope you stay in touch with us, and we get to hear more and more about your career as you move onward. Of course. Come see me at the zoo. We will. Thank you so much, Florence. Thanks. Bye. For more information, visit the latest news tab on the Rice Architecture website. Don't forget to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud to keep up with new releases. I'm your host, Island Nosley, and this has been Tete a Tete.